you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to John 13. We're going to look there today. You know, I've always wondered what Jesus would do with Mother's Day. I mean, there was, there was no such thing in His time, as you know. So I wonder, what, what would Jesus have done with Mother's Day? Of course, we don't know for sure, but we know there was a command, right? One of the Ten Commandments, to honor your father and mother. And that's a tradition that we are told that Jesus did, in fact, observe. And really, we see it in two big places, in the Gospel of Luke and one in the Gospel of John. And when you consider how few incidents of his life could get recorded, it's amazing that these two incidents would be recorded about his obedience to this commandment. Honor your father and mother. Now, the first scene is from his childhood. It's the only incident we have from his childhood. It's actually one of my favorite stories. It occurs in the Gospel of Luke, and it's the story of Jesus' bar mitzvah. All right, Jesus is 12 years old, and he's in the temple in Jerusalem. And Luke ends the scene by saying this, He, Jesus, went down with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. See, as a good Jewish boy, he honored his father and mother by obeying them. It's a command. Not only in that society, though, I, I think it's accepted in all societies because of the universal recognition that parental guidance and discipline are necessary for the proper upbringing of children. See, we know Jesus was raised by strict Orthodox Jewish parents, and he honored his father and mother. Right? The other scene is in the Gospel of John, and it's at the end of his life. Just like Luke is in the beginning of his life, this one is one of the last things that Jesus did. It's a scene at the cross. And here we are at the foot of the cross, and John, his beloved disciple, and there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Jesus turns to Mary and says, Woman, behold your son. And then he points to John, and he turns to John, and he says, Behold your mother. And the next verse says that John took Mary into his home and lived with him for the rest of her days. And they interpret that as obedience to the commandment of honor your father and mother. And you know, in childhood, that commandment has one meaning, right? And in his adulthood, we see that commandment having another meaning. Because in adulthood, that commandment is there to ensure that older people who are dependent on others can live out their years in security and dignity. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. See, see, John, I believe, represents the church here. and uh, The church was to take care of the Marys, of the widows of the day. And they did. Widows in those days were a class in society. And what the church did was extend that commandment to honor your father and mother which meant to take care of the older and the dependent, to a social policy and assume that it was becoming the mission of the church. So Jesus was faithful to the commandment, honor your father and mother, and he called his followers, he called us, his church, to do the same. To take up that mission of caring for those who were old and frail and dependent on others. But, but there's something even more here. We see it in that story of Jesus as a boy in the temple. See, Jesus obeyed the commandment, honor your father and mother, but he also announced there is a higher commandment. 
See, Jesus lived in what we call kinship society. It's where the highest loyalty is to your kin, to your family. And it was a patriarchal society. The father was the absolute ruler at the top of the family. And the family was taboo-laden and shamed-oriented. People were disciplined. They were kept in line by, by shaming them. So you were loyal to the family, obedient to its values, or you paid a terrible price of banishment and ostracism. Uh, there's a scene in Alan Payton's novel called Too Late the Fellerope. And the setting is in South Africa during the time of apartheid. And the son in the family of this Dutch Calvinist settlers in South Africa breaks the taboo of race and has a relationship with an African. And when the father hears about it, he takes a pen, goes to the family Bible, opens its pages to the genealogy, and scratches out his son's name from the family. Then he takes boards, hammers, and nails and seals off the front door of the house, hammering in the nails, announcing the son can never return to the family. And see, in a kinship society, that's not uncommon. And Jesus lived in such a society. Now, he'll attack it later in his adult ministry, most poignantly in the parable of the prodigal son, where the son broke every taboo in sight. I mean, you remember the story, right? The younger son basically goes to his dad and he says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Basically, just, just give me what will be mine. Give it to me now. So the father gives him his share in the inheritance. And the boy goes off and he squanders it. He wastes it on wild living. And when the son, when he realizes he has nothing left, when he has nowhere else to turn, he goes home. And he's welcomed home by the father to the horror of the older brother. And so the teaching of Jesus to honor your father and mother is placed in the context of a higher commandment. That's what he announces in the temple when he's 12 years old. Only 12 years old, it seems kind of precocious to us, right? But remember, in those days, bar mitzvahs, that, that was a rite of passage from childhood to adulthood. There, there was no stage in life like we have today of adolescence. Right? Our days, adolescence can span from teenage years through, through some people into midlife. <laughs> but in that society, you went from childhood to adulthood. And the bar mitzvah, that was your rite of passage. So at 12 years old, young boys, they would be apprenticed as adults. They would learn a trade, usually the trade of their father. But see, Jesus did something more. See, in this scene, the family and friends, they had journeyed to Jerusalem for this bar mitzvah. The ceremony took place in the temple. The celebration followed. And then they started home. But they left a few things behind, like Jesus. <laughs> they get a short distance from the city and discover he was not with them. So they retrace their steps and they find him in the temple and he's debating theology with the professionals. And Mary says to him, son, why have you treated us like this? A classic Jewish mother question, right? Why have you done this to me? And Jesus says, what, what are you doing here? And he ends by saying, did you not know I must be about my father's business? The, the irony is wonderful, right? Because at 12 years old in that society, that's exactly what he should be about. <laughs> you should be apprenticed 
by your father if you were a boy to learn the family business. And yet Jesus announces, my loyalty is to another father, to a greater community. It's going to be a major theme of his preaching. It's going to cause tension in Christian families for 2,000 years. I mean, we see that in the rawness in another passage where he's preaching to a large crowd of people. And his detractors tell his mom and his brothers that that he's embarrassing the family. So Mary and and Jesus' brothers come and they stand at the edge of the crowd to hear for themselves what he's saying. And word gets passed up to Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here. And Jesus looks to the crowd and he says, no, here's my mother and my brothers, my sisters. And Jesus completely redefines family for Christians. See, he's widened the circle of family. The crowd, all these people, he's saying they're all kin. But there's an even more disturbing incident. It appears in those passages where Jesus is instructing his disciples. And he says this. He says, do not think I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes will be those of his own household. This is in Matthew 10. Luke, Luke is worse. He says this, Jesus said, unless you hate your father and mother, you cannot join my kingdom. Now understand, these are to be read as hyperbole, as exaggerated speech. Right? Prophets used hyperbole all the time to make a point. And the point that Jesus is making to the disciples is, we have loyalties that are greater than just your nuclear family. And all that to be said to bring us to our scripture this morning. Thank goodness, right? Our scripture this morning is a much more comfortable text for our sentiments today, especially this Mother's Day. Because it's all about love. John 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's better, right? No controversy here. It's just all about love. So we can stand up and we can hold hands and we can sing, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. But there's a hitch. (laughs) You see, Jesus says this is a new commandment. But it's not a new commandment. I mean, he's been teaching us to love all along. In fact, he already gave another commandment about love, the great commandment, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment, that's quite enough. So why then do we have a new commandment? Well, let me share with you. Look where we are. This is the Last Supper. This is the Passover meal that they were eating. Now, now something we need to understand. In Jewish families, both then and today, you celebrated the Passover with your family. But look who he's eating with. Jesus is eating with the disciples. And a family is commanded to love one another. I mean, that's obligatory in the family, right? 
Robert Frost once said, home is where when you go there, they have to take you in. <laughs> it's, it's an obligation. And see here he's telling the church, he's telling us that you are a new family. So love one another. That, that's the commandment. But then, then look at this, verse 35. By this, <laughs> by this loving one another, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another so that the world will know you are Christians by your love. And that's exactly what happened. It was in Antioch that the church was first called Christians. They said this in Antioch. Look how these Christians love one another. Now it was a surprise to them because, well, especially at Antioch, the church was made up of all these kinds of different people who, by kinship rules, they had no obligations to each other. In fact, by kinship rules, they were actually obligated to hate one another because they came from different nations and different races. And there was no feeling of goodwill and love towards any of these people. So the people of Antioch, they see the church and they're coming together as this new family and they're loving one another as if they were family. <laughs> and they were amazed at this. I mean, Jesus completely dismantles the kinship structure and he creates this new family. And now look at our time. You know, I look at our time and it seems to me that kinship tyranny is just about gone and Something new has taken place. The tyranny of the individual. Where loyalty to self is of the highest virtue. That is, the freedom of the individual has become the religion of individualism. It's the idea that I'm not only free, but I owe nothing to no one. That I'm going to be true to myself. And I don't need to be faithful to anybody else. It's an idea that I have this obligation to be the most that I can be in my life, but no obligation to help others be the best that they can be. That, that's the tyranny of the individual in our society. And the good news is that if Jesus freed the first century from the tyranny of family, he certainly can free our century from the tyranny of individualism. And he'll do it with this exact same scripture. A new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. See, when Jesus gave this commandment, he, he was commissioning the church. He was saying, go out in the world and find the strangers and be familiar with the strangers. Treat strangers as family and love them. And we know what happened, right? From the very beginning, as I mentioned before, the church took care of the widows. And they also took care of the abandoned children. Tertullian was one of the church leaders in the second century. He wrote a letter to the Roman government complaining about the practice in those days of abandoning unwanted children on the streets of the cities in the Roman Empire. He said this, abandoning them to the kindness of strangers. That, that's where we get that phrase, kindness of strangers. From. But he was condemning the government for doing that. But you see, the church not only condemned and protested the abandonment of children, they did something about it. And they established orphanages 
all over the medieval world. One of them is called the Della Pieta in Venice. In the 18th century, it was considered one of Venice's tourist attractions. See, the girls in the orphanage, they formed this orchestra and chorus, and their music was famous throughout Europe. In 1714, Vivaldi became the director of the girls' orchestra at the Della Pieta. In 1743, Russo visited Venice and went to hear the music. He was so taken by it, he asked if he could go meet the girls. See, understand this, the concerts, they were held in the church. And the church was shaped in a medieval cruciform style. So the audience, they would sit in the nave. But the girls in the orchestra and the chorus, they were in the chancel. And only in those churches in Europe, there was this screen that would separate the nave from the chancel. So you could hear the music, but you couldn't see the girls. So Russo came around the screen in order to greet the girls, and he was shocked because many of them were deformed. It's probably why many of them were abandoned. <laughs> but the church rescued them. The church said, you know what? You are children of the Heavenly Father. And they treated them like family. And as a result, these girls sang like angels. <laughs> a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. A new command I give you, that you treat everyone like family, just like I've treated you. No greater time to remember that than today, Mother's Day. Right? This is the day that we set aside and we honor our moms. We honor the ones who, in most of our families, loved us, cared for us, took care of us. Love one another as I have loved you. And by this, by this love, all men will know you are my disciples if you would love one another. By showing your love to everyone that you meet, they will in turn understand that you are a follower of Jesus Christ because of your love. So we have our command. And now it's time as the church to go out and fulfill that. Are you ready? The first step is to surrender your life to Christ. The first step in showing that love is to give your life to Jesus, to show that love and devotion to Him. And so if that's what you desire, come. Come up after service and talk to me. Stop by the church this week. Visit with me. Just let this week be when you begin the journey of that new life in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that you loved us. You loved us enough to do whatever it took for us to be with you. You loved us enough to send Jesus to this world to die for us. And our Lord, you have asked us as your church to show that same love to one another. So help us. So that by our example, people will see you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.